Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Hi, Keith. Good morning. Okay, we're just talking off the air about the case numbers coming down as the virus can, or the, as the vaccine continues to roll out. The vaccine really knocking down yeah. uh, the COVID numbers. Yeah, in DC. on, it's really on all fronts, the, uh, we're 71% plus vaccinated of people over the age of 18. Uh, the test positivity rate is now 4.5%, which is dramatically lower than what we saw in early April, which is in Fraser Health was approaching 15%. In, wow. in Northern Health was uh, 17%. Jeez. So that's where we're getting 1,200 cases a day. Our rolling uh, seven-day average now is uh, somewhere around 250 cases a day. We were hmm. a, a, approaching 1,200 in early April. Uh, the hospitalizations went from 388 people uh, in a week being admitted in um, uh, the second week of April to less than 150 in the last week. The number of people in ICU is down as well. We were at 177, I think, at the peak, and now we're down to 80 or so. Uh, so everything is looking very good in terms of COVID numbers, which is why we're all on schedule to reopen the next stage, stage two, June 15th, travel the province, gather in slightly larger crowds we're on track to uh, take the next stage july 1st travel the country gather in even larger crowds have uh, attend sporting events in person and such and we're on track september 7th basically to get back to to normal yeah okay it's all very encouraging but there are some exceptions right so let's talk about that because the vaccine effort continues but there are some parts of the province where the vaccine uptake or the vaccine rate has been lagging and so there's some concerns around that and here's a uh, health minister adrian dix on the plan to send community nurses to some of these areas with lower vaccine rates have a listen we've added um, bccdc nurses to go up to uh, fort st john and region and we're making a real effort and a real push in that region of the province in rutland which was lagging a little low and has really come up in the last week which is um, north of Kelowna. we're doing all of community uh, tonight if people are listening to us in Rutland and at the school at uh, Rutland Secondary School tomorrow uh, during the afternoon, I believe, from noon to six. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so uh, there are some low vaccination uh, levels in some communities. So uh, Minister Dix mentioned Fort St. John, uh, which is one just last week was at 32 percent when we're at 71 percent provincial average. Dawson Creek was uh, now improved a bit, but they're still in the high 40s, which is, again, we need to get to 80 90% in these communities. Rutland, he mentioned, was about 55%, which is just in the North, North Okanagan in the Peace River area. And until recently, Richmond, oddly enough, were the mm-hmm. low vaccination areas. Interesting in Surrey. Surrey's been the hotspot for so long. And there was those pop-up clinics because Newton and Wally neighborhoods had low vaccination rates. So they picked up their socks, and they're now in the 70% range. So Surrey now is no longer the concern it was before. I got a note from Surrey Schools to, to this morning that uh, exposures and staff absences in Surrey have absolutely plummeted in the last week or so. Uh, again, when that was a source of concern there because there was high case numbers, that's not the case anymore. I wonder if BC or Canada at some point will begin offering incentives for people to get well, the vaccine. I mean, there's been arguments out there. Maybe you should 
uh, give people some sort of bonus. We've seen south of the border in the United States. Ohio, million-dollar lottery. The Vaximillion lottery, yeah. You get vaccinated and your name goes in. You get a ticket to win a million bucks in a lottery, free beer, free baseball tickets. Dix and Dr. Henry have been adamant, and we're not doing that. Yeah. But, again, nothing's ever off the table. Well, have a listen to this, Nir. Now, this is interesting. This is U.S. President Joe Biden on the vaccine incentives being offered south of the border here. The NBA, the NHL, NASCAR. NASCAR tracks, they're offering vaccines outside playoff games and in races. Major League Baseball will be offering free tickets to people who get vaccinated at the ballpark. And to top it off, Anheuser-Busch announced that beer is on them on July the 4th. That's right, get a shot and have a beer. Free beer for everyone 21 years or over to celebrate the independence from the virus. (laughs) <laughs> Free beer Free for beer. everyone. All right. Well, they've got a bigger problem in uh, in getting that uh, needle in people's arms. There's, there's more hesitancy down there than there is in Canada. We're at 71% in BC, which is nice, but it's not nice enough. So it's going to be interesting. So far, Dix and Henry, Dr. Henry has said no to incentives. But, again, oh. I would never take anything off the table. We went from 24% um, vaccination rate to 71% from early April to early June. It's going to be more of a grind to get to 80 or 90 percent because increasingly there's going to be more second doses being administered every day because 40,000 because the eight it's an eight week interval now and you know when we're doing 40,000 people a day in early April well they're they're two months now their eight weeks is up they're in line for a second dose and they're going to be getting more and more second doses on a daily basis so our first dose uh, numbers are going to start sort, sort of, of slowing, slowing down, a little bit. slowing yeah. down, yeah, which yeah. means it's going to be a grind to get from seventy-one percent to ninety percent, right? And right. it's going to take longer to get there. Okay, interesting. Um, real quickly, this afternoon we expect an update on if you got the AstraZeneca shot as your yeah. first shot, which one do you get as the booster shot? That's coming this afternoon. Two, two o'clock, Doctor Henry, Mister Dix. Uh, it basically, will say what NASI's recommended, which is if you got AstraZeneca. You can get Pfizer and Moderna as your second dose. If you got Moderna, you can get Pfizer as your second dose. I, I think the recommendation from NASA, if I'm correct, is if you got Pfizer and Moderna, you don't get AstraZeneca as your second dose. There was interesting a study in Spain about a week ago with about 700 samples that suggested if you got AstraZeneca and then got Pfizer, that was actually stronger um, immune uh, buildup if you got AstraZeneca twice. So. We'll get those details at 2 o'clock today. Okay, that coming official this afternoon. All right, we've talked a lot on the show this week about the logging dispute on Vancouver Island. We continue to see arrests there in the Ferry Creek uh, dispute over old-growth logging. Premier John Horgan earlier this week rolling out a forestry plan for the province, very significantly not intervening in that Ferry Creek dispute, no. invoking the rights of the First Nation involved there, the Pachidot First Nation that supports the logging going on there. And, boy, this has really set off a real debate over forestry in our province. Now, have a listen to this. This was like a just a, a, a gung-ho debate that we had here on the show yesterday. Sapora Berman, very high-profile environmentalist who actually got arrested at that blockade a few days ago, uh, going, on, going up against Bill Dumont, who's a professional forester and advocate for forestry in the province. And have a listen to this exchange here. There's two questions that we need to look at here. Um, the first uh, that's really critical is, did government and industry go to the Pachadat Nation and say, would you like support and, and economic support for a vision that includes protection of that old growth and some logging? They want to do some logging. That's fine. There's lots of second growth in their territory that is already being logged. In fact, the majority of the logging there is no longer in old growth. So did anyone put the option on the table that they could be supported 
And I expect not. And what I've heard from many in the local community. A very large percentage of their territory is in parks and protected areas. So let's not exaggerate the situation that all of their territory is subject to logging. Okay. Basically, she's saying that for First Nations that want to log old growth, and it's not just this First Nation, there's other First Nations that that log old growth timber Mm -hmm. in the province, that you should go to them and pay them. So they don't cut down these old trees anymore. We're going to give you just cash payments instead. That's what she wants. That, which Sounds is like. a rather paternalistic approach, oh, I yeah. think. Uh, <clears throat> so I think a lot of people haven't got their heads around the fact that UNDRIP has changed everything. There is now an incumbent upon any government to deal with First Nations in a way that was never there before. First Nations is now a government-to-government um, dialogue. And so the Pashidat... Uh, First Nations government, the local government, has decided they want to log this. And the government cannot, the provincial government cannot step in and override that. And that's that's at the heart of this situation. I think a lot of the activists don't haven't grasped the fact that this is not Clackwood Sound anymore. The, the goalposts have shifted significantly. With UNDRIP now, the rights of First Nations are enshrined in law in a way they've never been before. And yeah, that, Und- UNDRIP, of course, is the UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, which says that you must consult and receive some sort of consent from First Nations for development on their traditional yeah, free, territory. Free and informed consent. It doesn't right. mean a veto, but when you've got an existing situation where the f- local First Nations has been doing this activity for years on, uh, on their own uh, grounds, you're not going to be able to step in and override that as a, as a provincial government. It would be in violation of UNDRIP, if, if not the spirit, the letter, or at least the letter of the okay. law. Hi, Keith Baldry is my guest, Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Doreen in Richmond. Hi, Doreen. Good morning, gentlemen. I have a question for you. I keep hearing that the Richmond count is so low, 59%. Well, why is it so hard to get a shot if you live in Richmond? Not sure why that is. You're right. Richmond has been low since uh, the pandemic rollout. Uh, there should not be an issue with vaccine supply, though. Well, it's and not Richmond, I, and uh, I talked to uh, Health Minister Agent Dix about this yesterday. They are going to be targeting these places that have low vaccination rates. In Metro Vancouver, Richmond is the lowest, and that's a source of concern. Uh, the good news is, in the last week, it's gone up about almost 10 points uh, in terms of vaccination rate, but they're still in the 50s, and we want them to be near the provincial average. The B.C. Liberals were complaining yesterday about the the, the difficulty some people are having in booking a vaccine online. Yeah, What's so, going on there? Yeah, so it's uh, what I think is happening is that with more people getting the second dose yeah. now, that's crowding out potentially some or delaying some of the first dose appointments, yeah. and that's perhaps inevitable because we've got a finite amount of vaccine coming in about one and a half million doses this month. You get 328,000 Pfizer a week. We get about 144,000 Moderna in mid-month. So about, I haven't done the math yet, but there's a whole bunch of people who are coming online for their second dose because it's now an eight-week interval instead of a 16-week one. Okay, Lisa calling all the way from Fort St. John. Hi, Lisa. Oh, hi there. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Um, I have a question that I'm just wondering if Keith knows the answer to because if he doesn't, I could probably fill in some details. I'm just wondering if he knows when the vaccine clinic in Fort St. John, like what the hours are and the days that the clinic runs. I don't have that information in front of me. I, I gather it's fairly soon, and I would think it's uh, usually these clinics, you know, run from you know nine or ten a.m. to six or seven p.m. at night, and I suspect that'll be. So I think so, talking to Minister Dixie, I say those nurses should be on their way to Fort St. John fairly soon. 
So just to, can you guys still hear me? Yes. Yes, go ahead. So just to let you know, the clinic in Fort St. John has only been running Tuesdays through Fridays. It's never run on a Monday. Mm-hmm. It never ran during the Victoria Day long weekends. And the clinic hours are only from 9 to 4 o'clock. And the community uh, nurses are, are already up here. So I think part of the challenge in, in vaccine uptake is not so much people not interested in getting the vaccine. It's just the limited hours, which limits accessibility to get the vaccine. And it could also be limited supply. I mean, there's more supply in urban areas, is my understanding, than are in more rural areas. And that's, but that, again, this is something public health has identified. And I suspect there's going to be more resources sent your way because Fort St. John, Dawson Creek, uh, seen as particular areas that need to get more people vaccinated. Okay, Lisa, thank you for the call. Great to get a call there from Fort St. John. Let's go to Joe on the line in Aldergrove. Hi, Joe. Hi there. Um, yeah, I was just going to say the incentives that they're doing down the states, uh, they're talking about doing it up here. Uh, Fraser Health nurses uh, are already giving uh, money out to the people on Maine, Hastings and Maine, uh, $5. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, $5 yeah, uh, yep. cash or $5 in Tim Hortons cards yep. to take the in, uh, uh, injection. And that's Fraser Health Nurses. We have it all documented and recorded. Uh, yeah, so the, the, incentives, the incentives are there, but for $5, you'd think that they would offer a little bit more than $5 to the people on the streets. Uh, but the incentive is there, and they're apparently lining up at those homeless shelters. They set up every Tuesday and Thursdays, the Fraser Health uh, nurses, and offering, again, Tim Hortons, $5 uh, gift certificate cards or $5 cash. Yeah, thank yeah, you for that. And that's been going on since day one. Right. Uh, so that's not a new thing, but it is, uh, it's confined to that particular uh, demographic. And again, they were they were a priority population. Right. Uh, yeah. At the very beginning. There were a lot of concerns about in, the, in the downtown east side about the potential spread mm-hmm. uh, of, of the virus. And they seem to have got through it pretty well. And the, the $5 incentive, I mean, that's some pretty good bang for your buck if if people are willing to line up and get the vaccine yep. uh, for a $5 Tim Hortons yeah, card. They've done I mean, it's impre- not a bad idea. They've done an impressive job on the downtown yeah. east side. Yeah. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Benny in Abbotsford. Hey, Benny. Benny. Hi. I'm Hi. getting my second vaccine shot on June 15th, but now I'm really concerned there's a new variance out there that may not, the vaccine shot may not protect me. It's called the Delta variance. And according to what I read, there are some scientists that are recommending to the provincial government they slow down on the opening of the economy. What does Keith know about it? Yeah, so again, the science on the variants is very early. Uh, there's a number of variants out there, variants of concern. Some are called variants of interest because they're not variants of concern, but they are being studied. And there is uh, evolving science on both the impact of some of these variants in terms of the severity of illness and also on the re- the effectiveness of vaccines on the variants. But, Benny, uh, if you're up for your second dose on June 15th, go get your second dose. Don't um, read too much on the Internet these days in terms of uh, science on this. I, I rely on Health Canada, Center for Disease Control, the National uh, you know, NACI, uh, rely on this on the scientists who've guided us through this. I think is the best course of action. Okay, this Delta variant. We continue to hear more about this in mm-hmm. the last last few days. Is the vaccine effective against it? 
Well, that this is again evolving science. Yeah. So again, there's no nothing to suggest you don't go get your second dose or your first dose for that matter. Okay, what time is the news conference this afternoon on the second dose for people who got AstraZeneca? When's that happening? Two o'clock today. Two o'clock. Okay, CKNW will bring you that live, and uh, that's an important update this afternoon. So anyone who got the AstraZeneca shot is two hundred seventy-five thousand people got AstraZeneca. Yeah. You and I are among that crowd, but yes. we're the minority. Uh, the vast majority of people in BC got Pfizer and Moderna.